So the Bible says in Proverbs 29 verse 18, where there is no vision, the people perish. And you know what? It's absolutely true. The Bible is always true. But whenever there is no vision in front of us, we have this wonderful ability to go nowhere with our lives and to waste our time and to spend our time on frivolous things. But when there is a vision, people have got something to aim at. There's, there's a goal for our energy. There is a goal for our lives. There's a goal for our relationships. And, uh, you know, I just think about some of the businesses in this world and, and, and some of you people working in businesses and there's people dying in their jobs. Why? Because there is no vision for the business. There's no vision for the company that they're in. Um, and many people today actually don't even have a vision for their lives. And so they're spending their lives on, on things that, you know, are just wasting their time. They're not going anywhere. I used to be a person like that. I, I had no vision for my life until God came into my life. Um, and, and so when you don't have that vision, you, you kind of perish. You, you, you do perish in every way possible. And, and for the church, it's so critical that we have vision as well, that we know what we're aiming at, that the church is here. It's not just, we, we're not just this wonderful gathering and we just have all this like fun together and we sing songs and wear crazy glasses and, uh, and, and cool t-shirts and stuff like that. But, but we're, we're called to be a body that lives on purpose. That God has actually called us to do things together. That there is a goal for us coming together. And so, as a church, it's critical that we have vision as well. In Habakkuk 2 and verse 2, it says the following. It says, And the Lord said, Write the vision, make it plain, put it on the back wall of the church, that he... Sorry, that's not there, but I'm just adding it in, all right? That he may run who reads it. My prayer this morning is that you're going to see something. Now, vision is, is something that we, is, is talks about sight. It's, it's about seeing something. And, and my prayer for all of us, for every single person here this morning, is that you would see something from God. That you, like Yemisi has seen something in the children. You know, Asipa, they've seen all these teachers. They've seen something. They, they, they have a revelation. There's something that's captured their eyes. I could chat to the worship team, and and they've seen something in worship. They've seen the power of God. They've seen what it can do. They under, they have something beyond just natural sight. There is another sight that they're seeing, and it's enabling them, and it's pushing them forward, and they're channeling their energy, and they're sacrificing their time, and they're giving. Why? Because they've seen something. And they're running after it. And, and my hope is that for every single person here this morning, that you would see something from God. That you would capture a, catch a God vision of what He is calling you into, and that you will run with what He shows you. The idea behind vision is that we're meant to run with it. You know, God doesn't just show us things so that we can go, wow. He shows us things because He wants us to run with things. And that's why vision needs to be plain. It needs to be simple. We need to capture it. We need to articulate it. We need to put words behind it. Make it simple so that we can run effectively with it. What are you running with this morning? My story is this. A number of years ago, I got... Saved in my bedroom. Jesus came and rescued me from a life that was going nowhere. I had no vision for my life. I didn't know where I was going with my life. I had a Bible and it was open on John chapter 15. 
And God spoke to me out of John chapter 15. And he said this. It says this in John chapter 15. It says, Jesus is a vine and we are the branches. And if you're not connected to the vine, you wither away and you die. And God just said to me, Wayne, you're withering away and you're dying. There's no vision, there's no life. But when a branch is connected to the vine, connected to Jesus, it bears much fruit. And I knew in that moment that I had to give my life to Jesus. That Jesus is the source of life. That Jesus, when when we plug into Jesus, that's when we can truly live. That's when life becomes ours. That's when the abundant life that God has promised, that's when all the gifts in us, the, the, the function and the original intention for our lives comes alive when we plug into Jesus. And I had a moment in my room, in my bedroom, just having a God encounter. God was rescuing me, speaking to me through the Bible. I got down on my knees, and all I could do was repent. But before I could even repent and say, I'm sorry for living such a chaotic life, he said, I forgive you. Before I could even say, I was sorry. And that grace that I received from God just broke me. That this God not only runs after us and finds us in dark places, but he also then forgives us and cleanses us and he gives us a fresh start. And that grace, when I saw it and when I got it, it, was, it, it broke me that this God loves me and that he wants my life to flourish and he wants me to produce and he wants me to be truly alive and that it's in him that I have this life. And it wasn't so long after that that I started giving myself to evangelism on the streets here in Durban with some friends. We In church we had this this outreach group, and we would go down on West Street, and we would go outside all the clubs, and we would have our Bibles. I wouldn't do that again, you know, just walking with our big old Bibles. And and we would engage people in the streets, and we would minister, and we would see people getting saved, and, and we were bringing lost people to Jesus, and it was amazing. And all of that was birthed out of what God had shown me in terms of forgiveness. And then after that, you know, in church... God started to challenge me about where are all those people that you're leading to me? Is there a home for them? Are you discipling them? Have they got, you know, where, where, where are they? Because you don't even know where they are now. And, and God started challenging me about what, building lasting fruit. And he was saying, Wayne, it's awesome that you're sharing the gospel, but you also need to build. You need to build lives and make sure that lives become, that converts become disciples and grow up and be mature in their faith. So he started speaking to me about the church and, 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 and the role of the church. And it, was, it wasn't long after that that I was praying one morning and I saw something, all right? I saw a God picture in my spirit of an incredible Diamond. And I mean, when I talk about, it was so massive. It was, it was like bigger than the buildings in Durban. And it was planted in Durban, this diamond. And it was sticking out of the, it was planted in the ground. It was sticking out of the ground. And it was this incredible, like, picture of this vision that God was showing me. And he said to me, Wayne, that is my church. He said, and that's how I see my church. And in this picture, I, you know, there was, there was a whole lot of things that I suddenly just saw around this diamond. Um, number one, I saw that, you know, the diamonds are, are precious to God. You know, they're, they're precious instruments. And we, as a church, are precious to God. In Revelation 21, verse 11, it says, Having the glory of God, her light, was like a most precious stone, like a jasper stone, clear as crystal. There's a number of scriptures in the Bible that talk about the church being something precious to God, like precious stones. 
that when God looks down at us this morning, He sees you as valuable, people. Every single one of you, you may not even see yourself as valuable this morning, but He sees you as something that's precious, something that is beautiful, something that is costly, something that is worth giving His Son for. That's how God thinks about you this morning. And the Bible says, you know, Jesus spoke about how He leaves the 99 if one sheep goes lost, and He goes looking for the one to bring it back. That's how precious the one is to Jesus. And if, a, if he's told a parable about a woman who loses a coin and she has five, she loses one, she, she puts everything down and she searches her house high and low to find the one that went missing. I want you to know, people, that's how valuable you are to God. That's how precious you are to Him. That's what, when He thinks about you, that's how He thinks about you. And the other thing I saw about this diamond was that there was this light just coming down from heaven and that was shining upon it. And you know, the interesting thing about um, diamonds is, is that they are like light receivers. They, they're, they're positioned, they're structured to capture light. They're, they're, um, they're designed, they're like, they're, they're light receivers. They just, they're hungry for light if you kind of, if you look at a diamond, alright? It's that the way it is, it's like a prism and it draws light in. And that's exactly what we're supposed to be as a church as well. We're, we're called to receive from heaven. We're called to be vessels that can receive what heaven has for us. And that's what God wants His church to be. He wants it to be something that, that He can pour Himself into. And so us gathering here on a Sunday morning, what we're looking for is to receive from heaven. We want God to pour into us. Amen? 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 We want heaven to pour into our lives. And in Acts chapter 2, 17, it says this. It says, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. That God's desire is to pour out into us. The other thing about diamonds is that they... They reflect light as well. They don't only receive light, but they reflect life. And when I, I saw this picture, I saw this vision, I saw this incredible diamond, and light was coming from heaven onto it, but light was going out from it as well. And you know what? Like a, a diamond reflects, receives light in one day, but it reflects it in a multicolored rainbow. That's what they, they, they reflect light like that. And, and that is... What, we're, what church is also meant to be. It's meant to be this receptor for the light, the presence, the power, the might of God, but it's also meant to be a giver of light to the world. And this diamond that I saw had this light coming on it, and, and it was reflecting rays all over the world. And I knew that God had, what God was saying was that the church is His vessel to shine His multifaceted multi-glorious, multi-amazing love to the rest of the world. In Ephesians 3, it says this. It says, His intent was that through the church, the multifaceted wisdom of God would be made known. And that's what we are. We're receivers of the light of God, but we're also givers of the light of God. And the fact that it's a multi-colored light talks about the fact that all of us receive something from God, but we, we all give in a different way. Some of us are gifted in different, you know, music. Some of us have 
dance skills, some of us don't. Some of us can sing, some of us can't. Some of us have compassion, some of us struggle with that. Some of us have patience, some of us are not. Some of us are visionary and driven people. Some of us are great leaders and creators. And we all capture the something from God, but we're all meant to give something as well. We're all meant to reflect it. And that is what a picture of a church is. A powerful church is one where, where we, we're tapping in and we're receiving from God, but we're expressing what God is doing in our lives through our own unique personalities, through our own unique gift set, through our own unique skills, through our history, through our background, and we're, we're giving that out to the world. The other thing I noticed about this diamond that God was showing me was 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 that it was planted in Durban. And at the time, I, I, was, I had no intention of living in Durban. And I had no intention of staying there. And for me, it was, it was significant. And what, what God was showing me in that vision was that He's going to do something special with the church here in Durban. That the church in Durban is going to be something that's beautiful, is going to be something that's going to receive incredible power and might, and healings, and signs, and wonders, and glory, and peace, and love, and His Spirit is going to be poured out on it, and then the church is going to take that and start to reflect it into every community in Berea, in Morningside, in Durban North, and on the campuses, and even it was going to stretch around the world from what God wanted to do in Durban. And I share all of this because at that time, I had no intention of building the church. I had no entire intention of, all I wanted to do was get lost people saved, man. That was like, that's all I had in my mind. And God was start showing me that the way he wants his kingdom to come to the earth is through the church. Jesus said this, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. That Jesus wants to build local congregations, his church universal, but his local congregations as well, because local congregations are the best means of evangelism. Local congregations are the best means of reaching out to the poor. They're the best vessels through which we can do, well, together we can do more, amen? It's through local churches that we can put skills together, that we can put understanding together. It's in this kind of setting that we can start to share resources that the result of one person going out and being on fire for Jesus can be superseded by a group coming together with the same heart and the same passion. One can put a thousand to flight, but two can put ten thousand. In the Bible, there is a multiplication that takes place when we see giftings coming together. And so God was giving me this revelation. And from that moment on, that's what I see when I look at the church. He gave me that like 16, 17 years ago. And to this day, on my, on my vision board in front of my desk, I have a picture of a, of a big diamond with the light shining on it as a reminder of how God sees His church, of what God wants to do in His church, and what God is calling me to do in His church as well. And I want to say this, that that one picture from God has sustained me all these years. And it hasn't changed. (laughs) I'm still as passionate then as I am now because I've seen something. 
Because I know that there is something incredible. Because I have a God picture of what He can do and what He wants to do in the city. And that, my la- ladies, my ladies and gentlemen, is, is the power of vision. That is what vision can do. It can sustain you when things get tough. It can give you endurance when you feel like giving up. When you're running a race and it's a long distance race, you know, you can give up if you don't see that sign that says 5Ks to the finish, you know. It just helps you. There, when you see a vision, it enables you to sacrifice. It enables you to go all out for Jesus. And I, and I really, this is my heart. What have you seen from God? What do you see when you see the church? What do you see when you look at Durban? What do you see when you look at yourself? And I hope that from now on you'll see yourself as a diamond. As something that is designed to receive from God and something that is designed to give out the multifaceted love of God. Diamonds, the thing about diamonds is diamonds look alive. Have you seen one? (laughs) Maybe in a movie. (laughs) Um, Diamonds, they look alive. They, They sparkle. They twinkle. They wink at you. They, 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 they're, they're jumping with life. You know, when the light is really shining on them, they look amazing. They, they have all this, like, they look alive. And, ladies and gentlemen, that's what, that's what God wants His church to be as well. He wants it to be alive. In 1 Corinthians 12, it says this, that the church it's, is described as a body. It's, it's the, the, the church is, is a body and each of us are members of that body and all of us, we come together and we put our lives together and the result is that we have something bigger that can move, that can do something. You know, bodies are designed to do things. Bodies are things that have been designed to have momentum, to be capable and God wants His body to be alive. He wants it to be capable. Jesus described us as a city that is set on a hill whose light, that cannot be hidden. He said, you are the light of the world and a city that is set on a hill. And you cannot be hidden. You, you should not be hidden. The idea is that, you know, cities are, cities are alive. There's things moving into cities. There's things coming out of cities. There's, there's momentum. There's lives. There's connections. There's relationships taking place. And, and that's what we are here this morning. We, we're a city. Alright? Ian Durban, we, we're actually a city. There's people coming in. There's goods coming in. There's heaven's agenda coming in. There's the power of God coming in. There's things going out. There's teams going out. There's ministries going out. There's meant to be life happening here and we should not be hidden we should be something that is felt that the presence is felt that that our that our that our momentum is felt in the city amen and i can say this you know safely this morning is that one thing that we are as a church and i think this is really our identity is is we are we are alive <laughs> you know we we are definitely a church that sparkles and twinkles and has momentum and is doing things. You know, I remember a couple, well, just recently, you know, just in the last couple of years, when we used to meet at Howard College, they would, 
close us down in December because the varsity would close down and we wouldn't have church for three weeks sometimes. And, and we usually it was over Christmas and, and, and that was one of my, ah, you know, I really wanted to have Christmas services and, you know, I wanted us to just celebrate the birth of Jesus, but we didn't have a venue to do it. But that didn't stop us. We went to old age homes for a couple of, a number of years and we gave Christmas to old people. We shared presents with them and the love of God with them and we prayed with them and we blessed them. Do you, do you, how many of you remember that? You know? And, and so, the, you know, I want us just to highlight this morning as part of our DNA as a church is that we are a church that is alive. We are a church that is moving and has momentum and we will always be. I was looking in preparation for this morning, I was looking through some of our quick updates. We used to do quick updates. Do you remember those? Hopefully we can get them going again. Um, and I was looking through just the activity of campus harvests that we've done and the women's events and some of the men's events and the camps that we've done. And do you remember, what, how many of you remember when we prayer walked through the city of Durban? We made the sign of a cross through the city of Durban. Some of us walked from, what street was it? West Street, Pine, all the way down to the beachfront. Others walked from the ICC to the harbor mouth. And we did a prayer walk through the city on a Sunday morning, declaring blessing over the city made the sign of a cross in our city, came together at City Hall and prayed and blessed for our city one Sunday morning. You know, when I tell some churches, some pastors that, they're like, and you did that on a Sunday morning. Isn't that like, how did that work out? Sometimes we get a little bit religious. This Sunday morning has to go like this. We have to have three songs. We have to have a preach. No, sometimes we can actually go pray walk through the city. And on another Sunday morning, do you remember we went and cleaned up litter at Blue Lagoon? We piled into buses and we, we cleaned up Blue Lagoon. We packed, I think it was a few truckloads of litter. Our campuses came together. We, we bagged so much litter on the beaches and from that we, we did an incredible cleanup. Why, why? Because we're a nation building church. Why? Because we're a church that's alive. Why? Because we have a living faith as every nation Durban. I want to remind you people that this is our identity and that this is what God has called us to be in the city of Durban. And hence, our vision statement is to honor God and advance His kingdom by being a healthy church that starts healthy churches. We want to advance people. We want to honor Him, but we, we want to advance. We want to take His kingdom forward. This is the heartbeat that makes us who we are as every nation of Durban. But we're the type of people who are not content to sit on our seats. We're not the type of people who will be fat Christians and we know everything that Jesus has said, but we're not doing any of it. You know, we're, we're just, we're not going to be those type of people. You know, we, as a church, when there's a problem with the refugees, we did something about it. When there's stuff happening on campus, we did something about it. When there's crisis happening, said we came together and we prayed. Why? Because that's who we are. We're a li- we have a living faith and we're active in expressing our faith. Um, I want to show you a, a diagram this morning. Um, just, it's just a picture of a circle um, as, as a picture of the church in the world. You know, if you could imagine that the blue circle is, is the church and then the, the black around it is, is the world. There's a scripture in Ephesians 1 and verse 20 and it says this. It says, at the center of all this, Christ rules the church. The church, you see, 
is not peripheral to the world. The world is peripheral to the church. Can you just say that with me this, this morning, that last bit? The, the church you see is not peripheral to the world. The world is peripheral to the church. The church is Christ's body in which He speaks and acts by which He fills everything with His presence. I want to just say, guys, that that phrase when it talks about the church um, being, uh, the world being peripheral to the church, what, what, it, what it means is this, is that when God thinks about the world, He thinks about His church first. When God thinks about um, what He wants to do in the world and how His kingdom is meant to advance in the world, He thinks about His church. And His idea is that through the church, God is is almost, he's constrained himself, he's almost pulled himself in, he's kind of reigned all his power, he's reigned all everything, and, he's, and, he's, and his idea is that he's constrained it to go through this thing called the church, which is you and me sitting here today. He, God wants to go through the church into the world, and the world is peripheral to the church. In other words, the church is meant to be the thing that is influencing the world, not the other way around. Not the world is meant to be influencing the church. Um, and so what you will find with Every Nation Durban is that we have a lot of activity within our little bubble called church, within our little sphere, our scope. We have Sunday services and we have connect groups and we have courses and we have teams and we have ministries, and we have leadership things, and we have prayer, and we have events, and we have a whole bunch of activity that we do as a church. Why? Because we have a living faith. Because we are alive in our faith. But the result of all of that activity must be that the world then changes as well. You know, the one thing that we read in that passage that we just read now was was that the idea is that church does not exist for itself, that it exists for the world, that it exists for those who don't know God, it exists for the business, it exists for politics, it exists for science, it exists for media, that, that, that the church, what happens in the church, is meant to flow out of the church into the world. And so the danger is that churches become focused with just being all these activities. You know, we, do, we, we come together to pray, we come together to worship, we have a nice time in connect group, we share muffins together, we, we do some courses together, and, and, we, and, and then we get into this mindset of it's just, it's us, you know, amen. It's us, and we, we're comfortable with just us, and we're happy with just us, and we enjoy us. But actually, the idea is that us is meant for them. And them are meant to come into us as well. That we need to be open and looking out into the world and making it easy for the world to come in and it's easy for us to go out into the world. That there should be this flow between us and the world. There should be this, this no barriers. 
No, no things stopping people coming in. No people, no, we, we're not so click in our little click that we can't add another little friend. We can't actually invite somebody else in because we're so in our little sphere. And so we, we have to always be looking out. Amen. What should, what, what, what happens from all of our activity? What, what, what is the result of all our activity? Of all these services and things that we run, it should be that we reach lost people. It should be that we make disciples. And it should be that we impact the world for Jesus. Amen? And hence our vision, our, our mission statement, which is to reach disciple and impact. We have a few little phrases that kind of explain our vision. Alright? And that is... Um, for, for reach, we have this phrase that we've kind of put together, which is kind of like a little slogan, and it says, every person, every campus, and every nation. So when, and, and the reason why we have that slogan is because it helps us understand what it is we're meant to be reaching. All right? It helps us channel our energy, our resources, our gift sets into particular areas so that we can be effective for God. And so, last people... I want to say this, really matter to Jesus. They really matter to Jesus. And so they should matter to us as well if we love Jesus. As a result of us reaching out, there are a number of key ministries that that we have as a church because of the fact that we want to reach the lust. Um, For one, if you look at that slogan, it says, every person, every campus and every nation. So there needs to be a campus ministry. There needs to be some ministries that help us plant churches and reach nations. And there needs to be some sort of outreach ministry in the church so that we can be enabled to reach the last people in our lives. When we say every person, what we mean is this, is every person in your life. I want you to take a moment and close your eyes this morning and think about your family. I want you to think about your colleagues this morning, people you work with or the people you study with. Just, just think about some of their faces this morning. Let, let some of your neighbors come through your mind, the people you pass in the road, the, some of those faces that you wave at when you're walking down your passage, um, just the, the lives that are around you. And, And I want to ask the question, how many of them know the Lord? You can open your eyes this morning. It's so, I want you to know that when Jesus looks at them, He looks at you. Because you're His church. Amen? Ouch. Amen? When Jesus looks at all those people that are around you, He thinks of who? He thinks about you. He thinks about you because you're his church. And he's put you in that neighborhood. He's put you in that college, in that university. He's put you in that job. He's put you in that family. And he's reached you because he wants you to reach them as well. Amen? And so, you know, just to let you know, we have an outreach ministry. Makabongwe, our champion, Mac. 
um, uh, heads up that ministry with a group of on-fire outreach champions. And, and their goal is to equip us and enable us to reach out more to the people in our lives. And so some of the things that you can look forward to in 2018 is that we're going to have more equipping next year to reach the lust. I know we had OI this year, but we're not going to stop, people, until we all become incredibly able and confident and, and fired up to go and reach the people in our world around us. And we will not stop, amen? We will not stop until we reach them all with the gospel. So we've been talking about some of the things we want to do next year. We're going to have more equipping sessions. Another thing that we've been talking about is, is a block strategy. I know a lot of you live in, in blocks of flats and in complexes and things like that. And what we want to do next year is we want to enable you to open your house to reach your block for Jesus. We want to have the faith, all right, that entire blocks of people are going to come to Jesus. And so we've got a plan to, if you're keen and you want to open your house and be hospitable like the Bible says, we are going to come and we are going to empower you and we're going to come and we run a course or have a dinner and we're going to share and you can invite your neighbors there and we will come and we will empower you or we will share the gospel to all of your neighbors and we will trust God that they will get saved and we can plant connect groups in every block in the city. You know, one thing you do look at when you look at the Berea and you look at Durban North, I mean, and, and the beachfront over here, one thing you just see is blocks, blocks. Hundreds of people in some of these blocks. And I was praying in here one, order, one morning. I was just thinking, how many of these people know Jesus? I was thinking, if we just took that one block over there and we reached that one block, we would have to go to triple services here on a Sunday just from that one block over there. People, the harvest is plentiful. It's the workers who are few. And so what I want to say is we're all going to become workers in 2018. Amen? We're going to become workers for the gospel. And... And if you live in a big block, all right, this is your moment, all right? You need to come and speak to Mac and, and the outreach champions. And you need to say, listen, I've got a block and I'm willing to open my house. Can you, can you empower me? Can you come and help? And, and we're going to see your neighbors come to know Jesus. Amen. So that's one thing that we, we're looking at doing. We're also looking at having more events here on a, on a, on a, on, on nights. We want to ma- maximize our venue. We want to get some, bands in here, we want to get some poetry evenings happening, we want to get, just, if you've got great ideas, come come and talk to us, but we, we're kind of looking at having like a Friday night thing, maybe once a month, or once every second month, or something like that, events that we can invite the lost to, and that we can preach the gospel, and we can see them get saved for Jesus, but like awesome events, okay, so so we're looking at that, and um, and one thing we also want to do is we always want to run series here on Sunday mornings where you would like to, you would be empowered to invite people to come to church on a Sunday morning. So we, we, we want to run series, preaching series that are relevant to people's lives so that you can then be encouraged to invite your colleague at work and say, hey, there's, a, there's this thing happening in my church. Would you like to come and be a part of it? And so just to let you know, in November... All right, as part of our reaching, all right, every person in your life, we're going to run a finance series in November for the month of November by popular demand, okay? And, and we're going to be talking, we're going to have an amazing 
time in that series, we're going to be talking about wealth and the power that God gives us to create wealth. We're going to have workshops uh, for those of you who are unemployed. We're going to empower you to get jobs, get ready with your CVs, all that sort of stuff. For those of you who are in the workplace, we're going to be having workshops on how you can climb the corporate ladder in the workplace, how you can be successful in your job. Uh, for the entrepreneurs and the business owners in the church, we're going to have workshops for you on how you can um, you know, take your business to the next level. And so we're going to run this as a series. Next Sunday, we'll tell you a little bit more about it. We may, we're going to have some flyers for you. And the idea is that you can go and start inviting the people in your world. But it's just not for this once-off. We want this to be a culture in our church that we are reaching out. Can you nudge somebody this morning and say, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. It's part of our mission to reach out. Amen? Um, and there's other things, all right? But that's just one thing. So, so our outreach ministry is supporting our vision to reach out to people, to every person in your life. We want to also reach campuses. Avi, if you wouldn't mind getting that... Um, testimony ready for us this morning and let me know when you when you've got it thanks guys you're doing great um one of the strategic areas that we focus on as every nation durban is the university campus and i know i'm preaching to the choir this morning okay but uh, let me just remind us this morning that this is the most strategic harvest field that there is in the world if you're sitting um, and you're thinking, okay, what is the best way to reach, to, to reach people with the gospel? Where, where should I go stand? Should I go stand on the corner of West Street? Should I, should I go and do a letter drop? Should I go and do a tape drop, a CD drop? Should I put my soapbox up at Musgrave? Should I go to the malls? Can I tell you where you should go? It's the university campus. Why? Because right there, most people give their life to Christ before the age of 25. It's at that age group of 19, 18 to 25 that people are searching for where they're going in life. They, they're deciding, they're, they're thinking about what type of life they want to do, what type of values they want to live by. And so it's so important that we are there, and most movements start on campuses. The, the world comes to campus. Think how many foreign students we've reached because they've come to campus. And if we can be on the campus, man, we can change the world. And hence we have that slur, another slogan that says, if we can change the campus, we can change the world. And we really believe it, okay? Have you got that testimony? Let's just have a moment and, and look at one of our students who was, who was reached on the campus. Howard College, um, and I've been at Every Nation Durban Howard campus uh, for the past three years, since 2015. Um, and uh, I think campus for me is the place where I first had an encounter with God. First and foremost, it's the place where I can reference my personal journey with God. Um, and that has come to me through a lot of, um, of programs run by the, the, the campus ministry itself your BFC, DMC, um, Advance, and um, yeah, Advanced Leadership School, and those are the places where I feel like I had, 
I, I discovered direction in my journey with God, and it, it had to. It, 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 it didn't just. It wasn't just head knowledge of of, of, of of the gospel or anything, but it became very personal for me. And I feel like even in this year, I have I have direction for my life. You know, there's direction even sometimes when there's no direction. And in in, in settings such as your connect group, you have people keeping you accountable. Um, the concept of accountability has really has really helped me. It has really strengthened me uh, from uh, people mentoring me on the side, people keeping me accountable to to, to my studies and just my Christian walk in general. Over the years, we we've reached thousands of students with the gospel on campus. And, um, and it's incredible to see how many of those lives have changed and where some of those leaders are today. Um, and so this ministry is our heartbeat, people, as Every Nation Durban. We will, we, we will always be on the campus, and we will always have a presence on the campus, and we will always be reaching Jesus, uh, students for Jesus by the grace of God. Amen? I wanted to say a special thanks this morning to some of the community people who have been going to the campus services in the evenings. You guys are legends. I, I think, you know, um, last week, last week we, we had a special service at Westville and a whole bunch of you came out there and for two hours we just prayed for students and trusted God just to move in their lives and the impact was felt and was real. And I think about some of you community guys who to Howard College and, and leading in worship and going to DUT and being a part of what's happening there. And I just say, guys, that's awesome. That's what we're about. That's what we want to cultivate in this church, that we there own those campuses and reach out to those campuses. Um, highlighting the teams on campus this year, Howard College has been Eloise and Spiwe. Why don't you guys just give a pop-up? Good up, pop-up. At, uh, at DUT, a pop-up. There we go. Um, at DUT, we've had Lindo and Mabongi and Pumlani. A quick pop-up, guys. There's Pumlani. Uh, with the kids. And, and at Westville, we've had Sbonello and Fanelwe. Fanele. Fanele. Um, and they are our champions. They, they really, they've given up so much to be on the campus and to go after young people. And we're so proud of them. Just to let you know, they're, they're on a program. Some of them are on a program called Ministry Partnership. And really, as a church, what we do is we provide a, a basic salary for these guys. But then, because they're missionaries, they actually go and raise the rest of their salary through friends, through family, through businesses. And, um, and there's a number of people that are partnering with them every month to to empower them to be on campus so that they, uh, and I'm talking businesses, I'm talking about friends, people they don't even know who understand the vision, who have seen, have seen something, who've seen the value of what God is doing there and they're doing it. And if you can, we want to encourage you, partner with them. If you've got contacts, if you've got referrals, if you know of businesses that, you know, that could, that want to actually adopt a missionary and sow into this, this important ministry that we have on the campus, and please connect with these guys and, and help them. You can also go to our ministry partnership website. It's ministrypartnership.com. You can find 
the missionaries there, and you can give to them online as well, okay? So this is a national thing that we're doing. Um, actually, it's a global thing that we're doing in raising campus missionaries to go to harvest fields. So that's reaching every person, reaching every campus. Are you still okay? Just to touch on reaching every nation um, as a church, a, a, a while back, we, we put before you a vision to plant churches in Africa. Do you remember that? We launched Africa Dream, and we, we spoke to our regional leaders in our Every Nation family, and we said, give us a nation. And they said, take Malawi. And we were like, okay, cool. And there was no church, Every Nation church in Malawi, and we as Every Nation Durban adopted Malawi as our nation, and we prayed for Malawi, and we gave money towards Malawi, and we had fundraisers, um, led by the amazing Chlopez and uh, Tsakhang. And do you remember some of those things that we did? Well, the effect of that was that we then found out that our church in Midrand had actually had one of their leaders go to Malawi. And, and, and he was hungry to start a church. And so we did a mission and we met up with that guy. And his name was James. And we saw him. He was making disciples. And he was, he was doing an incredible thing for God. And so we got him. And we've equipped him since then, and we've empowered him, and we hired a hall for him, and we bought him a bicycle, and we bought him a laptop, and we bought him a phone, and we got him set up, and the church in Every Nation Blantyre was launched. And we have an Every Nation church in Blantyre to this day. We've even bought land in Malawi to build a church on. We've done that as a church in partnership with Midrand. And Midrand is the, is the, the sending church and the oversight church, and we're the, the partner church with Midrand. And we've done three missions to this day. And there are now, I, was, I found out this week, just so you know, there are now 12 congregations meeting around Blantyre. Can you believe it? 12. Yeah. And, um, and before that, guys, I just want you to know, there was nothing. <laughs> there was nothing. But what we did was we held up some vision, and we got together, and we prayed, and we believed, and we fasted, and we gave, and we went, and look at what God has done. Isn't it incredible? I'm so excited. You know, and, and so we, we will continue to partner with our church in, our, our church in Midrand under James's leadership. But I want us just to take a moment this morning and grab hands with the person next to you. And I want us just to pray for James. Subs, will you just come, up, come on up and, and let's pray for James. I'll tell you why. He's actually been very sick. Okay, this was something we, we didn't know because communication's bad. But our uh, Pastor Eric in Midrand says he really believes it's an assignment of the enemy to slow this guy down. Because he is running for Jesus at such an amazing pace. And so he's been struck with sickness. And, uh, and he's been struggling in his health. And so what I want us to do this morning is I want us just to unite, agree, subs, and we're going to just break that thing and trust God for a supernatural healing in his life. Can we do that? Let's go. Come on. Father, we come before you this morning, King of Kings. Father, we just thank you so much for what you have done in Malawi, Lord God Almighty. Father, right now, we are just coming before you, King of Kings, as H, every nation, Deb, and Lord God Almighty. We are speaking healing 
over our leaders in every in Malawi, mighty God. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Right now, Lord, we are saying no weapon formed against him will prosper. In the name of Jesus. From his head to his toe, mighty God. From his left hand to his right hand, mighty God. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. By the stripes of our Lord Jesus Christ, he is healed. In the name of Jesus. Father, we pray for covering and protection and healing, mighty God. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you, Father, for great testimonies that are going to come up after today, Lord. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. There is healing in your name, Lord. There is power in your name. In the name of Jesus. There is power when we are united in prayer. In the name of Jesus. Right now, he is healing. It is done. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 I remember when they gave us Malawi and I thought, man, how are we going to do this thing? And it was at that very service that Pastor Eric was there that they gave us Malawi. And then he told us about his connection and then God started to move. And so, you know, the impossible becomes really possible in a community of faith. Hey? That, that, is, that is what church is meant to be right there. And so um, our mission to nations hasn't stopped. In fact, it continues, and um, we want to plant churches. And one area that uh, we are putting on our radar, just so you know, drum roll, is Umtata. Yes. Okay. Um, as an Every Nation family, we have been wanting to plant churches in the Eastern Cape. We don't have churches in the Eastern Cape. We don't have a church in Umtata. Umtata is a strategic city. It's a gateway for the area in the Eastern Cape. We've been talking as leaders with other pastors around the country saying, come on guys, can't we plant a church in Umtata, in the Eastern, in Port Elizabeth, in East London? We've been, we've been talking for a long time about it. But God would have it that there would be a couple in this church with a burning passion for Umtata and to plant an every nation church in Umtata. And that would be Sobs and Ntando. Um, you know this amazing couple and, and how awesome they are. And Sobs is originally from Umtata and... Um, you know, it's been a couple of years that they have been burning with a vision to go and, and, and be a part of planting and starting and pioneering a church in Umtata. So um, their passion, God raised up their passion right here in this house, but there's a passion outside of this house around the country and all our other churches. And so faithful to the call on their lives, they went through our school, our Every Nation Ministry School they did the pastoral track where they've been trained in theology and pastoral gifts and church planting strengths and all that sort of stuff. So they've, they completed that in July this year, and they did really well, actually, by the way, as well. Um, and we have another number of churches 
that want to be a part of this. And so as an eldership team, we, we're talking about Umtata. We're praying about Umtata. We're strategizing how we can do this in partnership with other churches. But if you're from Umtata, if you know people in Umtata, or if you're burning with a passion for Umtata, now you know that you're not the only one, okay? So come and make yourself known. Come and make your contacts known. Come and make your, your networks and your connections available for us because by the grace of God, we're going to see an Every Nation Church in Umtata, and Durban is going to play a strategic and important role in making sure that that happens. Amen. Um, so that, that, is, that is under reach, every person, every campus, every nation. Those are just some of the things we're doing. Not only do we want to reach, but we also want to disciple. We want to make disciples for Jesus. And you know, I was, I was just thinking about this, pa- this, this part of the message, and I was, I was kind of just waiting on the Lord. What, what part of this do you, do you want me to emphasize when, when we go in? Because if you know us by now, the one thing we're passionate about is being disciples of Jesus. <laughs> one thing we, 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 we don't want to just be converts. We don't want to be nominal Christians. We want to be disciples. Jesus said, go into all the world and make disciples of all nations. So we want to make disciples. And, you know, there's many definitions for what a disciple is when you read the New Testament. But you can kind of summarize it as this. It's really somebody who's made Jesus their Lord. That's what a disciple is. It's somebody who has laid down their life and said, Jesus, you are number one in my life. You are it in my life. You are first in my finance. You are first in my time. You are first with where I go, where I live, who I marry, what I do with my life. You are number one in my life. A, a, a disciple is someone who is a living sacrifice, who've, who's laid down their life so that God can be glorified, so that God's kingdom can come to the earth. And, you know, when, when, when you look at a disciple, What's important to, to, to Jesus is important to them. And what we need to understand, people, is that there is a cost to following Jesus. There's a cost to following Jesus. You know, and the, th- and the interesting thing is that Jesus didn't beg anybody to follow him. <laughs> In fact, he encouraged us. He said, go and count the cost. Go, go and count the cost. And when we read the New Testament, we see so many people, it costs them their time, their reputation, their finances, it costs them their place in society. Sometimes it even costs them their lives to follow Jesus. There is a cost to following Jesus. And a disciple is someone who's counted the cost and said, you know what? I will follow this man. He is worthy to be followed. And no matter what I give and no matter how many sacrifices I make, all of it will be worth it because in the end I gain him. And he is of ultimate value. That is what a disciple is. That's what Paul meant when he wrote in, in Philippians 3. He said, I have lost all things. You know, he lost his reputation. He's standing inside society. He's placed in the synagogue. He lost everything, family even, eventually his life. And he said this, but I count them all as nothing because I gained Christ in all of them. And... Something that we are passionate about church, as a church is that we would be disciples in this church, that we would really be those people who put Jesus first in everything that we do. And my encouragement for us this morning 
and, and for all of us here is, listen, I don't know where, where you're at with your walk with Jesus, but I want to encourage you, count the cost and go all out. <laughs> count the cost and go all out. There is no sacrifice that we could make for Jesus that we would get to heaven and then go, oh, I shouldn't have done that. We will always get to the other side and see that the rewards are always far greater than anything that we could have laid down for Jesus. And so we have a growth plan. We have courses that we offer as a church to help disciple you. And I want to encourage you, please do those courses. We have connect groups in this church. If you're not in a connect group, please join one of our connect groups. Come to our our, our connect zone after the church and we will help you. Call our office, email us. If you would like to start a connect group where you can make disciples, please chat to us about how we can do that. We will empower you. We will equip you. But at the end of the day, we want to be a disciple-making family, a family of disciples who make disciples because we're a disciple-making family. Amen? And finally, we want to make an impact as a church. And, and really, this talks about our, our heart as a church to be nation builders and transformers. And we have a desire to be a church that makes an impact on the city of Durban. And so we have various ministries here as well. Um, but one that I want to highlight is our compassion ministry we, we have a ministry where we, we collect food and clothing and we go and serve at eye care and other organizations in the city. We even partner with a number of organizations that are doing an amazing work in the city. And, um, and we've done incredible things there. We've done an amazing stuff there. And the reason why we do these things is because Jesus said, I was hungry, I was naked, I was in prison and you didn't clothe me and you didn't visit me and you didn't come and help me and they, and the church responded and said but Jesus when did we see you like this and he said well in as much as you did it for the least of these you did it for me and what Jesus was highlighting is saying I want my church to be a place where the lonely the lost the broken the hurting the poor the refugee the 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 people who are marginalized by society are touched with love and care and looked after who's going into the prisons and visiting them and, and, and empowering them, Christians are. Who's going into hospitals and encouraging people and praying for the sick? The Christians are. And this has been our heartbeat for centuries. From the day one when the church started in Acts chapter 2, we read about them feeding widows and orphans. We see that the start, the, the, the start of the church is there's always a reaching out in compassion to those who are less fortunate to us. And so I want to just say this. We, we, we want to partner more with Our Care. It's an incredible organization, a Christian organization, and they Taking, they've taken over 300 kids off the streets of Durban, given them an education, and put them back into society as well-functioning, awesome people, okay? They're doing an incredible work, and we want to partner more with them. I've been meeting with them, and they've been saying, guys, the door is open. You can come run programs here. Um, they've got houses down the south coast where kids who've come off the street who finished rehab, go into these houses. They have a mom in the house who looks after them. They put them into school. They pay for their school fees. And they feed them and clothe them. And there's right now, there's like 20 of these boys living in those houses right now. And I've been thinking, you know what? Christmas is coming up, guys. 
And we were down there about two years ago, and we put on something amazing, and we blessed those kids. But I want to do something awesome this year for, for them as well. These are kids who've, who've come from nothing, and they've actually gone through rehab, and they're getting their lives right, and they're going to school and stuff like that. So they need to be encouraged. They need to be blessed. They need to feel the presence of the church. Amen? And so, guys, I want to say this. Our compassion ministry is lacking hands. It's lacking volunteers. It's lacking people who have got that heartbeat for the youngsters, for, for, for those who are less fortunate to us. And so I want to encourage us as a church that if you, if you see something in this area, if you've got a picture in your mind of what God can do with the orphan and the widow and the sick and the lonely, please chat with Fanele. Fanele, give another pop-up just so we know. Please chat with her because we want to start pro- planning some stuff towards Christmas now as well. Amen. Amen. All right. Can we stand to our feet for a moment? Um. What I'd like you to do is, is get two people with you. So there's, so there's a group of three. Can you do that? Can we get, get two people next? Get two other people. So there's a group of three. <laughs> and, um, and what I'd like you just to share in your group, I would like you just to have a little moment, okay, in your group of three. And when you look at this picture... All right, that we've put up before you. I, I, I want you to share with the other two people that you're with what part of this vision captures you. What, what, did, what do you see in this vision? And, and what do you feel God calling you to in this vision? Just share that briefly with each other. And then I want you to nominate one person in the group to pray that we would all run with what God is showing us. Can we do that? And then we'll transition to AGM stuff. Go for it. Go for it. Okay. So, Every Nation Durban um, is a cool name. Hey, have you settled into Ian Durban? Yeah? Okay. So if we can go to the first slide, AV. Thanks, guys. All right. So when you look at this little pie chart here, you can see that... um, that they are not only pretty colors, but this is just an idea of how we steward and how we govern the church. The church can have vision, but the church also needs to have um, structure attached to it. And so what we have, just for your understanding, is we have elders who basically lead the church. They are the final authority on finance and vision and stewardship of the um all the different aspects of, of our church life. And in particular, this is relating to how the finances are stewarded. We also have a finance committee, which are um, different people who have uh, financial skill sets, and they come together and they meet um, on a regular basis to advise and to plan and to work out um, how they think, using their financial brains, how, they should, how the finances of the church should be stewarded. Then we have a finance manager who operates the day-to-day functions. As you know, in, whenever there's money, there's money coming in, there's money going out, there's things that have to be paid, and we have a, a finance manager who um, does that for us. And then to keep all the checks and balances in place, we actually have accountants and auditors who prepare reports and monitor compliance. 
So you can see that the church has to be governed and stewarded very well, particularly in the area of finance. We, um, we tick all the boxes, we steward well, we um, uh, strategize, we pray. We've got all the different aspects that are working together to make sure that the church is functioning well financially. Make sense? Oh, good. Okay, next slide, please. So this is the 2017 um, year-end expenditure. So that would have been from March 2016 through to February 2017. This is um, a pie chart just showing you uh, the percentages of how the uh, finances were spent. Um, I'll give you a minute to just look at that. Operations, blue, 28%. Ministry investments in green at 12%, salaries at 47%, um, savings at 5%, and sewing there in purple pinky at uh, 8%. Um, Just for clarity as well, you've got your full-time staff who are Wayne, Eloise, Mabongi, Spore, Asipe, and Nonclair. And part-time staff are Trisha and Lindor. And then we have MPD staff of Fanele, Spiwe, Pumlani, and Mac. So that gives you an idea of um, who the staff are. But we are going to be having some changes moving into 2018. Um, Nonclair, who's currently our uh, finance manager, she is moving off to Johannesburg with Admire. And um, so they will be leaving at the end of November. So come December, we are going to have to look at adjusting to that as we send the, um, Nonclair off. A CPA will also not be with us next year in a full-time capacity. There are some other staff members who um, are going to be looking at um, business and being tent makers while they steward um, ministry as well. So there's going to be a transition with some staff members in that. So there's going to be a big um, change in that area. Uh, Our MPD staff are needing to go and raise more MPD. So our MPD staff are going to be released for a period of time potentially to go and do some more raising there. Um, So watch this space. We're busy praying and strategizing and working who needs to go where, who needs to do what as God takes us into our new season as a church. Okay, Uh, next slide please. So in Ian Durban, you'll notice on the envelopes that we have, there are three funds that we um, profile. And these are the funds that we manage. That's our building fund, our compassion fund, and our missions fund. The idea behind us having these different funds is because collectively we can accomplish more than if we're all just sowing money here, there, and everywhere. So, for example, with our building fund, we all pulled together and we sowed and we sowed and we sowed. And now we sit in an incredibly beautiful facility with, um, you know, I was thinking the other day, our, our families are not sitting in the foyer at Science Block anymore. They actually have couches and a nice place to feed their children. And our kids' ministry has got facilities. We've got nice offices. We've got a beautiful auditorium. And that's because we all came together and got behind the building fund, and we made it happen. So isn't that awesome? Um, So collectively, we can do so much more. There is so much more we want to continue doing in the venue as well. Um, And we want to re... One day we want to buy our own space. Um, and build something. And um, so we continue to, to contribute to the building fund. We have our compassion fund, which Wayne touched on a bit. Our heart is really to make a, an impact. And if we all come together and we sow collectively into that fund, 
we can make a difference. And then missions. I was so encouraged when I heard all the news about what's happened in Malawi. Um, it's just brilliant. We've been part of changing the world, and it's because we got behind doing that um, and sowing our funds into it. So those are our three funds that we collectively um, invest in and, and help make a difference in. Well done, my love. Um, okay, and then just to kind of give you an idea of income and expenditure for the last couple of years, um, that's just from the last five years, just tracking our uh, income and expenses in the church. Uh, from 2013 to 2017, you can see our graph um, and how it's increased. And uh, really, that's just a testimony of your faithfulness and God's blessing on our lives. Amen. Uh, we Just the sharp increase from 2016 to 2017 was related to the... Uh, building fund and also to our salt program. We found a, an external investor who pumped like 300,000 rand into our salt program. Um, so yeah, and, and what you'll see is that expenses follow the green line mostly, okay? Um, and the reason is because our mandate is to spend what we get, okay? And you'll see that we do save as well. Um, and the idea is our mandate is we, we have Budgets, and we have forecasts, and we have things that we are meant to give towards. And so when it comes in, we appropriate it to the right places. So that's just to give you a picture of the last five years. Um, it has since, um, which, could you just go back a second? Um, if you notice from 2014 to 2016, the graph has stayed pretty uh, flat. You'll find that without the spike of those additional building money that came in and uh, uh, Soul program, you'll see that the graph has re- will remain pretty flat again into 2017 as well. And um, and so one thing that we, we have noticed is that, that actually in the last three years, we haven't had much increase in our tithe and income. We've actually kind of flatlined. And so one thing we would really like to do is actually um, see that increase, see that green line just go shooting through the roof, okay? Um, but, but it is kind of flatlining. And then to give you a picture of where we're at currently, because I know a lot of you, when we, we do these financial presentations, we, we always talk about the previous year, and we're already into the new year quite far by October. So we do have a report from, Feb, from March this year to uh, September as well, and I just want to kind of show you that. Um, it's not a very good picture, just so you know. The green line's supposed to be above the red line, okay? <laughs> and so what you see there is that for this year, we've actually tracked lower in income than our budgeted expenditure. And, um, you know, we've been, obviously, there's, there's a number of reasons we think this could, why this happened. We, we're not exactly sure. Um, part of it is the economic climate that we're in. I managed to chat to a couple of pastors around the city, and some of the pastors that I spoke to said that they're in the hardest financial times that they've ever been in as a church, um, there's a number of churches in the city that are actually in a financial crunch at the moment and are having to retrench staff and things like that. Um, yeah, the cost of living has increased radically. And so um, the economic climate has a part to play. We've also sent a number of families away from the church to Joburg and overseas and things like that in the last couple of years. So, yeah, last couple of months even. And... 
Um, and Trish and I were also away this year from, from March to September. Uh, and that might have had an impact. We don't really know at the end of the day, but basically we budgeted at a particular level and we, we have not met our budget for this year. Um, and hence you'll see that the blue line over there is actually our savings line. And, and that has been slowly decreasing um, to the point where we have actually exhausted our savings to cover the monthly shortfall that we're in. So the reason why we're showing you this this morning is is so that you're in the picture and you know what we're dealing with as a church and what we're kind of grappling with. Trish and I just came back in September to, you know, find this situation and we're trying to get on top of it since we've come back. So we've had finance meetings, we've had elders meetings about it, we've been talking about retrenching staff, we've been talking about cutting back expenditure, we've... Um, yeah, we've, we've been looking at a number of things to save on our budget. We've made a lot of cost cuts on our budget. Um, but ultimately, that, that is the scenario that, that not the elders are in and, and not the staff are in. That's the scenario that we're in collectively together as a church. And we wanted to kind of bring that up and show you because we want to be transparent in everything that we're doing. Um, and we want you to unite your faith with ours that we are not going to have to retrench and we're not going to have to cut back, but that all our plans for 2018, we're not going to start on the back foot, but we're going to actually start on the front foot for 2018. So we're tracking now to, to, to bring expenses to, to what is coming in. We, we're tracking to do that and we're on, um, uh, on, a, on a path to doing that. Um, and we're still trying to figure out how to exactly do that. But... We will do it, just so you know. But we're also asking, guys, is that if uh, you could put your prayer and your faith with us in this time so that we can get that green line up again so that we can continue with the mission of the church. If we look at 2018, some of the things we, we, we're hoping to achieve that are on track uh, for our vision um, is that we still trust in God for a full-time kids and youth minister who can run that department in our church. As you know, we have 40-something kids there on a Sunday in multiple different classes. That's a huge undertaking, so we really would trust in God for that. We want to increase our savings up to 400000 That is our is one of the goals. We have to get that thing back up. Um, we're also looking at increasing our visibility and footprint in Durban. So we're looking at more signage. We're looking at more outreach. We're looking at more advertising. We're looking at creating our, our visibility in the city a little bit better. Um, but, it, but that takes funds to do that. So we, we've got a vision around that and some of the things we want to do around that. Um, we, we need to increase our current staff by, by 20% in terms of their uh, incomes just for us to actually call ourselves a healthy church and, and pay people wages that they can live on and that they should live on. And the Bible says that those who labor in the house are worthy of double honor, so they should get more. But often we find that's not the case. But we are trusting God for a 20% increase there. And then there's various things we want to do in our building. You know, we want to put the coffee shop in. We want to get a prayer room, 24-7 prayer room happening. We, we need to invest more in our aircon system, our soundproofing, just various things that we want to invest in. These are the things we want to do in 2018, but we find ourselves in a situation where we now, we're kind of on the back foot, and we're going, whoa, okay, should we just put all of those? Let's just kind of manage here. And so what we're dealing with is we're trying not to fall into the trap of 
shrinking back from what God has called us to do in the city. And so when, I, you know, when you're in a situation like this, you, you have a choice. Either you can shrink back and feel defeated, or you can stir up some faith, and we can start to speak, and we can start to believe, and we can start to sow, and we give, and we can start to step in, and we can see God turn the situation around. So that's what we are doing. We're, we've decided we're not going onto the back foot in this scenario. We're, we're going onto the front foot. Okay? And if you would like to make a pledge, a faith pledge, a love pledge, something for the house of God so that we can, so we can get there, there are envelopes on the seats in front of you. And um, we've even put in debit audits uh, details there to, so that if you find that you forget to, to pay your tithe or something like that, you, there is a debit order facility on the back of the envelope. That does help us in terms of planning and budgeting so we don't have major fluctuations through the year. Um, but if you can make a pledge to the house of God, then I want to encourage you, please do that this morning. And uh, if you can sow largely into this, um, I mean, we're trusting God for, for large figures here. And if you're enabled and you can do that, then... We want to encourage you, please do that, um, because the church is the hope of the world. The church is the means through which God's kingdom is coming to the city, and we don't want to be a church on the back foot going into 2018. We want to be a church on the front foot. Amen? So that's pretty much where we are at as a church. It requires prayer. It requires faith. It requires us to rise up and, uh, and give and sow and fast and whatever. Amen? All right, um, that's the end of our AGM finance report. Well done for making it through that. Uh, can we just stand to our feet and can we maybe close with prayer? And if you have questions around this or if you want more information or you'd like to look at our finances, please email us and we will respond. One thing we are as a church is, is we're, we're here. We're, we're available and we're transparent, and we, we just tell you like it is, okay? We, we, we've got nothing to hide at the end of the day. We have all the, the right structures in place, um, so please feel free to ap- approach some of those structures if you want to know more, and if you can help, please help us. Amen. Eloise, will you close in prayer with us, and let's maybe join hands again, and, and let's trust God. To, to turn this finance situation around. Because as a church, we've actually never been here um, before. This is quite strange. And the fact that it's happening to a number of churches in the city makes me think that this is a plan of the enemy to put the squeeze on our faith for 2018 and the harvest that's about to come in. And so when we pray this morning, we're not praying for just every nation in Durban. We're going to pray for the church in Durban. And we're going to pray for all our friends and all the other congregations around here. And we're going to trust God right now for breakthrough in our finance situation. Amen? Amen. Lord, we just want to thank you for this morning and for the vision that has been set before us. 
And Father, when we look at 2018, Jesus, we, we just see you all over it. And we thank you, Father God, that you have called us to such a time as this. And Father, we thank you that you are going to cause this house to be blessed, that you are going to cause each person in this place to flourish in their spiritual life, Lord, in their finances, Lord God, that as we are blessed, this church and this house will be blessed. And Lord, we thank you, Father God, that as we've just seen this report back, that we are not coming from the back foot, Lord, that we will rise up and we will stand in faith because, Lord, faith sees the impossible. Faith sees, Lord, what it is that you're able to do. And we thank you, Jesus, that we are standing under an open heaven as individuals and as a church in this city, Lord God. And we pray, Father God, collectively here that we call on heaven and we thank you, Jesus, that as we do that and as we lift up our eyes, Lord, above our circumstances, above what we see before us, Lord, that we see that you are the God who owns the cattle on a thousand hills, Lord. And I thank you, Jesus just for the resources that we need to go into this next year, the resources that we need, Lord, to see this vision come to pass, Lord. And I pray your blessing and breakthrough over every life here. Lord, where people are trusting you for jobs, we thank you for open doors, Lord. We thank you that people are going to be in the right place for them to flourish, for families to flourish, Lord God. And we just thank you, Jesus that we are going to be more than blessed, that we're going to have so much that all we can do is give it away, Lord God, in our lives personally and as a church, Lord, because we, we don't just want to sit, Lord, and do nothing with what you put into our hands, but we want to sow, we want to give Jesus. And I believe that as we put our hearts together, as we combine our faith, Lord, that you're going to go far above, Lord, all that we would ever hope or expect. So bless us, Lord, and we thank you just even for, as we go now, Lord, we thank you for just the fellowship, um, for the cake, if there's still any left. <laughs> and we just pray for awesome fellowship. In Jesus' name, be blessed. Amen. Amen.